0: This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Apex... That we have missed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch Up. My name is Matt Wilson. With me is Chris Sims, as he always. And what do we do on this show? We read comics that we didn't read when they first came out, and we add them to our big old list of every comic story ever written, ever created by anybody. And this time on the show, okay, it's a little complicated. Because we have gotten a number of submissions for the Thursday Night Raw list from the series X-Men Red, which is an Al Ewing-written X-Men series.
1: Which we have not
0: X-Men Red. We have not. And also... I discovered is still going. It's it's not over yet. And thus I we could probably do like the first half of it, which I think is a complete story, or I don't know, but it's also important to note that X-Men Red is a direct continuation of direct spin-off of the series that we finally ended up doing for our January episode, the 2020 11-issue series, Sword, by Al Ewing and Valerio Sheedy on the first six issues, and then various artists on the final five. And Chris, you want to hear my hot
1: take about this comic? Give it to me.
0: I got a spicy hot take about this
1: comic book. Oh, uh, Matt, I've got my I've got a glass of milk right here, ready for it, ready for all this, right. ready for this eighteen trillion Scoville take.
0: All right, here's, You're about to drop on me. Here's my very hot take about
1: Sword Twenty Twenty. It's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I w- I will say this. Uh, this may actually qualify as something of a hot take. I think it is the weakest Al Ewing Marvel book that I have read. I would agree, yeah. Which which is saying, it's still in the top 1% of comics Marvel has ever published. Like, a, a subpar Al Ewing book is still going to be better than most other things.
0: Yes. Here's why I think you and I would both say it's the weakest Al Ewing Marvel comic we have read.
1: It starts a little slow. It starts slow and it ends quick. Yes. I think the
0: back half of
1: this book though,
0: even though it is clearly like rushed as the book comes to an end. I think the back half of this book is so much better than the front half.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, like I I feel like a problem with a lot of X-Men titles from this area, or not, not necessarily a problem, but like definitely a difficulty they faced, is we are setting up an entirely new status quo for the X-Men and all mutants that also affects the rest of the Marvel Universe, and you need to basically explain all that in the first issue.
0: Yes, and the first issue of this book is a lot of... That a lot of like here's the new deal here's here's the new deal with the X Men and the way that that happens is that Magneto arrives on the Sword base the yes and is given the rundown of what is going on with Sword which is that y'all know about the five. Mm You know there five mutants who bring other mutants back to life, mm-hmm. gold balls gold balls is one of them, yeah, yeah, well, sword's got the six, which is cool, it's fun, although i I never quite got a full sense of what the six actually does,
1: yeah, that's because in what I think is the weakest part of this book. The Six cease to really appear in it after, like, the first issue. Like, there's so much time setting up the Six and that they're going to, like, explore other worlds and they can teleport anywhere and break dimensional boundaries. And then, uh, to quote pre-Stone Cold Steve Austin, none of that shit ever happened.
0: Well, the thing is, some of them are very important. And some of them are barely in the book at all.
1: Yeah. Like, like, Manifold winds up being, like, the probably tertiary character of this book.
0: Yeah, Manifold is super
1: important. Peeper is kind of just there as as comic relief. is Peeper, really fun. Like, Peep is, the stuff with Peeper is really fun, but yeah, it's not, like, it is barely plot relevant.
0: Yeah, the, Peeper is there to be Magneto's favorite.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fabian <laughs> Cortez, the mutant who... Uh, makes other mutants mutant harder. Correct. Uh, David Walken line that that I did get into a Marvel Comics publication. <laughs> my crowning achievement. <laughs> uh, like he's got like a spotlight issue, and you, but you like think he's gonna be something, and then he's kind of not. He gets put on trial. He gets put on trial, and it lasts like one issue, and it's really good. But then it's like, okay, done, done with that. Yeah. And it's like I don't know what else you're going to do with Fabian Cortez, but but like that was a really good issue. But he ultimately, ultimately, Fabian Cortez's machinations do not matter.
0: No, I, I think that might be a casualty of the book probably being shortened.
1: Yeah, this, like I said, this book this book starts kind of slow because it's got to set up. It, it, not just its own premise, but, like, its premise and the wider X-Men, uh, you know, uh, what was this? This was, this was Dawn of X?
0: Yeah, around that time,
1: I So think. it's going to set that up, and then it has to set up its premise, and then it has to set up its larger implications for the Marvel Universe, and also here's a bunch of mutants you probably haven't seen in a long time. Even if you are reading X-Men books regularly, you probably haven't seen Peeper in a hot minute.
0: Yeah. Ironically. I was gonna say that the book might have been disrupted by the COVID publishing interruptions. But it wasn't. It didn't start until December of twenty twenty.
1: Yeah. But like it certainly is interrupted. Like the second issue is uh the the What's it called when when Null shows up? Oh, it starts
0: in the middle of the King and Black. Yeah, that's it. King and Black. It's it's interrupted by several events. Yeah, throughout the eleven issues, which is kind of weird because uh, the Last Annihilation is in there too. Like suddenly there's a whole issue about Emperor Hulkling. Yeah, and the and the Cree, but. That is also the best issue of the series because that's the issue where Storm takes Dr. Doom to dinner. Because yes, and that owns. Eventually, this becomes a book about Araco. Like, it starts out as a book about Sword and the Six and their, like, organizational makeup. And that does become important. And I didn't get around to saying how important Wiz Kid is to the book because. There ends up being a mole within S.W.O.R.D. That ends up being WizKid. But then it turns out WizKid is a double-double agent who is actually still working for Abigail Brand the whole time. Yes, Which is pretty fun. Which is pretty fun. I like that twist at the end a lot, actually. But around the middle of the series, this becomes a lot about... Araco and who is going to lead it and what its sort of governmental structure is going to be like. And it is revealed that Storm is the regent of Mars. So so she's oh. Mars's leader and she's overseeing like a like a council that leads Araco.
1: I do feel like when the Araco starts stuff starts and you get the Arako Council, the Al Ewing is like, hey, if they thought uh, the Quiet Council was complicated, <laughs> I'm going to do a parody that shows just how complicated they can be. And every member of the Council
0: hates Storm at yeah. the beginning, and so Storm has to like prove herself. And uh, that part also rules, but the bit where so okay one thing we learned that abigail brand has been up to and that sword has been up to is they have been pulling from alternate universes this stuff called mysterium
1: yeah they have been it's 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 almost like they've been they they can't use it because it's a uh... Cause it's uh, a DC thing, but it's like it's the bleed, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It, it's the bleed between the multiverses that they're mining for this incredible super metal called Mysterium, right?
0: And much like the medicines that the mutants had at the beginning of the Jonathan Hickman X stuff. They now have Mysterium, which is this metal that they're going to start selling to the various governments and bodies of the galaxy or of the solar system, um, because it's way more durable and conductive and it can deflect magic. Like, it has all these properties that are very, very valuable. And they they basically say it's like the new adamantium, right?
1: Yeah, which I really, I like the name Mysterium. I think that's fun. How did they not call it X-Metal? That's a great question. Because then it could be the secret 10th metal.
0: That's That is very true. <laughs> oh, that's right. They're getting it from the White Hot Room. That's where it's coming from.
1: Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Doctor Doom is like, yeah, that's stuff in the White Hot Room, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Doctor Doom, like Storm, invites Doctor Doom to dinner because Doctor Doom's like, I know what's going on with this stuff. Like, you don't have to lie to me. I know exactly what you're doing. And at one point in the middle of the dinner. Storm just, like, stands up and smashes the table with a lightning bolt. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was being polite to you, but, like, you can't be part of the club. And you can't teach us anything, so get out of here,
1: Victor. Yeah, don't don't forget who I am. My favorite part of that is when uh, Storm's like, yeah, motherfucker. You remember that time you turned me into an, a statue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Doom's like, damn man, I lost track of a Doombot back then. It was probably him. That wasn't actually me. Uh wow, that's that's I'm wow, that's crazy that happened to you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime
0: Doom gets blamed for something that he wishes he hadn't done, he just be was like, it wasn't me, that was a Doombot. That was a Doombot, man. That's so Just, funny the the two back to back issues of storm having dinner with dr doom and then storm having a gladiatorial battle with uh with Tarn those are my two favorite issues easily
1: yeah i like i i i love i love it when dudes in comics have not read comics. <laughs> And they don't know the Storm will cut you? Yeah,
0: man. Yeah, man. That, That shit was great. Like, it's established in that issue. That's number eight, I think. It's established in that issue that, like, everybody on the council is gunning for Storm's seat. And so, this guy, Tarn, who's, like, really, you know, ruthless and horrible... And whose mutant power is that he can rearrange DNA. Is like, yeah, I'm going to take your seat. And so he makes Storm into this, like, monstrosity with, like, an
1: Akira arm and shit, you know? Uh, Well, he kind of, like, I I think the the bit of it is that he kind of makes her into Kalisto. Because Kalisto, you know, has the eye patch and Storm's got that, you know, weird bulbous... Thing on that side of her face, and also for a long, long time, Callisto had like weird tentacle arms. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think, yeah, like definitely he Akira's her up a little bit, but I think the bit is that it's supposed to be like an exaggerated version of her knife fight with Kalisto, which is a very good callback. I, I'm always down for a callback to that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, she stabs in her altered state. She still manages to stab. Tarn it right in the middle of his chest, and say like, "If I move this knife even like a centimeter or a millimeter, you're dead." And Tarn's like, "Fuck, you got me."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the classic like, "Well, I've taken away your powers. You know what are you gonna do now?" And Storm's like, "This motherfucker hadn't read the Claremont run." <laughs> He has no idea. Because she gets the knife earlier in that issue, and as soon as she gets it, I'm like, I know exactly what's about to happen.
0: Yeah. I feel like Ewing really revels in getting to write the stuff about stor- the, the storm parts.
1: Yeah, when it becomes like a storm comic for a minute, it becomes a a very different book. And, and, and it's a book that I like, and it's a, a book with a lot of good storm stuff. And I really, really want to talk about the Lethal Legion in a minute, so uh, don't let me forget that.
0: The mass-produced uh, Lethal Legion?
1: Yeah, because Al Ewing does something fucking hilarious, but only to, like, 1% of the people who read this comic. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, here's here's the other I think big problem with, like, the run-up to the Arako stuff, is that all of the Arako stuff happens in X-Men, right? A lot of like, it, yeah. All that happens in, like, the the lead-up to Mars becoming a Racco happens in X-Men. And if this is going to be the book about the X-Men in space, then all the stuff where the X-Men colonize Mars, or, or terraform Mars and, and settle there, I like, guess it's not really colonizing if it's just them. Uh, but, like, that should be in the X-Men book that's about space, right? Except that it can't be, because it's, like, a really big deal, so it happens in X-Men. Yeah. And this book has to, like, take over from that.
0: Yeah, it kind of happens in both, I guess, because there is an issue here. The the issue where Abigail Brand is trying to sell Mysterium to, to different leaders where also they, like, terraform Mars in front of them.
1: Well, that happens – That they, they terraform Mars at the, in the Hellfire Gala stuff. Yeah, So yeah, that yeah. happens after the big reveal of Arako. Right, yeah. And I just feel like if, if one of the X-Men books is about space stuff, that's where the space stuff should happen. And maybe that's just, like, a weird, you know, d- distinction that I am applying to the book. But I feel like it does – it makes the first bit of that book feel weird because it's like, well, well, what were what were you guys doing? If like, if the, the plans for this weren't actually happening in this book, then what is the outer space book doing? Although I guess
0: by the end of this series, there is some explanation as to why. Sword wasn't as involved with the Araco terraforming as they might have otherwise been, because what you find out is that Abigail Brand does not give a fuck about Krakoa. Yeah, and in fact, is pretty sure that it's going to collapse, and so she's she's like making preparations for that. Like her big goal by the end of this series is to deal with Henry Peter Gyrich who, he's not like the head of uh Orcus at this point. He's in charge of Alpha Flight. But He's in charge of Alpha Flight, and he's working for Orcus. Yeah. And so he's trying to bring down S.W.O.R.D. specifically from the inside by using WizKid as a double agent. But WizKid is actually loyal to Abigail Brand. And Like, she does that by the end of it, but when she's, like, got Henry Peter Gyrick, like, in her clutches, like, about to shoot him out of a, uh, what is that called? Airlock? (laughs) An airlock, yeah. Um, When she's about to do that, she explains that, like, I don't actually really care about Krakoa at all. Which is interesting, and I think maybe kind of explains why sword is off doing its own thing to some degree.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, like, after the Arako stuff is in place, like, I I kind of wish they would have waited six months to start this book. Because after the Arako stuff is in place, it's got, like, a really cool sci-fi element of, oh, here's Storm interacting with these mutants who were from another dimension and have their own different culture, and here's, like, you know, uh, like... How, if, if if the X-Men have Mars and have their own planet, how does this, you know, play into the larger galactic, uh uh like, situation of the Marvel Universe? And all that stuff, I think, is really interesting and really well done. I think
0: that's part of why the back half of the book is so much better than the front half, to me. Because the front half is, like, very, like, separate. Here's S.W.O.R.D. and what they're doing. Here's the X-Men and what they're doing in their Araco stuff. And then in the back half of this book, it all coalesces it all dovetails together. Yeah. And that I like a lot, the way that all coalesces. I will say this. I'm not one to always complain about art and it's not like the art in the last three issues or so of this book is bad. It's not. Um, It's, by uh Jacopo Camagni and the colors are by uh Fernando Cifuentes of Proto Bunker Studios. I don't think the art in the last 3 issues of this book match the tone of
1: the series at all though. Yeah, and it is definitely a noticeable change from the first bit. It's so bright.
0: Like it's almost like It's almost like it's X Men Adventures.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kinda. But I mean, like, to be fair, this is a book where the main character has like neon green hair. So yeah, it's it's just it's like there's
0: like dark spy stuff happening in this book, and there's you know images where like characters are becoming like diseased <laughs> over three panels and it's these like bright saturday morning cartoon colors,
1: you know. Okay. And, I have a defense for that. Okay. Because I agree with you by and large, but in that instance I thought it was good. <laughs> um I don't know if you got the gag with the lethal legion. Okay, hit me with the gag with the Lethal Legion. Okay, so you, so what happens is uh, the new Empress of the Shi'ar shows up, who is a little kid who loves Storm, which yeah. is great. She's she really wants to meet Storm. Yeah, she's like Storm rules, which is true both textually and metatextually. And at one point, she's like, "Yeah, Storm always wins," <laughs> which is great. Um, and so she brings the Imperial Guard. Now, Matt, as you know, the Imperial Guard are a parody, essentially, of the Legion of Superheroes. Correct. Yeah. So then a bunch of mass-produced bad guys show up, and they're the Lethal Legion, who are these cybernetic soldiers uh, showing up and causing trouble. And the deal with the Lethal Legion... Is they're the fatal five. Right. So there's a guy with a big brain, you know, like like a Validus guy. There's a guy who's split in half. There's a guy with a death touch like Mono. There's like a lady riding around in a big eye-shaped uh little hover chair like the Emerald Empress. So it's it's oh, and there's um God, what is the name of the guy who's the persuader? Because his name is hilarious. He's like Mr. Eloquence. It's so I'll, funny.
0: I'll see if I can find it.
1: Yeah, because it's it's all a parody of it is Mr. Eloquent. You 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 got it. Yeah, the Persuader, which is a bad name. Uh, Mr. Eloquent, who is called that because he uh, he comes programmed with a tragic backstory. The, their names are Halfbot, who is, who is the uh, uh, the half robot guy.
0: Uh, Mr. Eloquent, the Electric Head, which is the brain.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so Halfbot is is uh, Tharok. The uh, uh, Electric Head is Validus. Orbis
0: Extremus, who is the lady in the chair. Emerald Empress and Death Grip, the the guy with the yeah. Death the, Grip he, is Mono. The Death Touch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Al Ewing goes ahead and takes this like has this Legion of Superheroes parody fight a Fatal Five parody.
0: That's Which really is funny.
1: such an obscure, like, I don't know who that joke was for, if not for me and Al Ewing.
0: And and then the the gag beyond that is that when they finally defeat them, the Lethal Legion, there are just more that show up. Like yeah. there are multiple versions of the Lethal Legion that shows show up. Because Orcus or Stellaris, which is Henry Peter Geirich's company, is mass producing them. Yes. As They're like mass
1: produced cyber soldiers based on the Fatal Five. Yeah. Which is also like a kind of funny parody of the fact that the Imperial Guard is like all of the people are disposable and the roles are are given to, like, whoever is the best soldier in the Imperial Guard. So, like, yeah. all of the Imperial Guard except for fucking Gladiator die in this issue. Uh, but what's great is that even with
0: all, like, you know, a dozen different versions of the Lethal Legion, Storm just shows up and changes the air pressure until they all explode. Yes is great great great
1: uh because she's busy in another gladiator fight when it all starts
0: yeah so she doesn't so she show shows up, she's like
1: it's... hey sorry pressing matters of state
0: yeah i i love the notion of storm just being like immensely powerful
1: yeah i i can't remember if it's where it's established but like it is mentioned she's like yeah i'm an omega level mutant
0: yeah yeah well the will only... fuck around yeah, only Omega Level Mutants are on the Council, the Araco Council. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, all in all, the series is good. I feel like we were asked to read this as a lead up to X Men Red, which, as I understand it, does have like even more of those badass storm mo- moments that we love. Yeah. Like, because X Men Red becomes the Araco book. Understandably.
1: I. I. It doesn't. Oh, that makes sense given the title. I didn't get that until now because I hadn't read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird that Sword, which kind of is an X Men thing, but, like, becomes a thing where it's like, yeah, we, we. like Abigail Brand is like, we are funded by Krakoa. Like, like I like essentially Sword works for Krakoa now, even even if I don't believe in it. And that's weird because like, that's like if Shield, like, was working for the X Men,
0: the United States,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: or the Avengers, yeah.
1: Because like Sword is a like as you can tell by the name, it's like it's a Shield type organization. Which is, but it's, but it's, but that's, you know, that's not this book's fault. It's always been an X-Men thing. Like, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's,
0: it's uh, the big thing is it's run by Abigail Brand, who is a mutant. I mean, yeah. she, uh, she's not from Earth, so she's not a, a mutant in the typical sense, but she,
1: she, 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 she caucuses with the mutants. <laughs> she caucuses with the mutants, yeah. Yeah. She she's in Minnesota. She's DFL, but for mutants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second half of the book much much stronger, lots of cool storm stuff. It it is it becomes about like galactic politics, but in a way that's like very Marvel Comics-y and fun. Whereas I feel like the first part, like honestly, by the end of this book, the stuff with uh, Gyrick is. Like it's good, and I liked it, and I liked the reveal that Abigail Brand was like, "I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I don't give a fuck about mutants." Yeah. like all that stuff was really fun, but it also felt like weirdly out of place. Like, like you want more of the like Star Trek Deep Space Nine for mutants on Mars which I guess is probably what X-Men Red is, which sounds fucking great. If you told me Al Ewing was writing Deep Space Nine, but with Storm was Commander Cisco, I would have read that book all along.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is what X-Men Red is. Like, if X-Men Red is all the Storm and Araco parts of this book, with a lot of the kind of, like, organizational sword stuff thrown
1: by the wayside... Count me in. Yeah, and like I think like sword can still be like a presence and be like an interesting aspect of that book, but like I would, I I would want more of the other stuff.
0: All right, I think we are gonna like maybe do the first ten issues of X Men Red next month for catch up, but as it is, uh, we are going to be ranking. Uh, sword Twenty Twenty here, which, as we said, pretty good.
1: It's pretty good. The good the good parts are really really good, and the quote unquote bad parts are still pretty good.
0: Yeah, there's some the stuff.
1: This book is is eh, pretty good.
0: It's all right. I, yes, I feel like we may have given. Uh, short shrift
1: to the stuff about the six, but also I don't the, think we did because that, that shit never comes back. The not book, in this book. The book gives short shrift to the six. Like yeah.
0: one thing I was gonna mention is that there are like two or three members of the six that seemingly never show up again outside of the first issue. Like
1: Armor Armor's uh, not in the book. Or Armor is Nowhere. Yeah, which sucks, because I really like Armor. Yeah. Like, Risqué is Nowhere. I can't believe that they spent... That they, like, ditched the Six so early, and then, like, made a musical about them. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, Manifold
0: is here. Manifold is going to Australia and talking to his family and and preventing Australia from being
1: destroyed. And that stuff's great. Yeah. But yeah, like like Lila Cheney's in this book once.
0: But it also kind of feels like
1: Manifold
0: is off in his own book separate from everybody else.
1: Yeah. And in some ways, because, and I think this is because of the nature of his powers, uh, because he's, you know, someone who can go anywhere and kind of do anything. Um, in a lot of ways, he functions as a narrative device yeah. as much as he functions as a character. Like, plenty of character stuff in here and, uh, and good character stuff. But, like, also, oh, we get to go see this scene because someone can be there. Right yeah, which is you know nice, nice work if you can get it as a writer to have uh, that kind of of character that you can rely on for exposition and make it entertaining, which this book does.
0: All right, so let's
1: let's find where this goes on the list. uh despite like' it's it's, it's not a bad book, but I don't think it's going to rank high. Like not on this list, which is very top heavy. Very top heavy. I feel like
0: it's a middle of the lister. Okay. Despite having some very cool moments in it. It it feels like a like a real middle of the list kind of series where like we have a lot of comics that are pretty good to good. You know what I mean? Like, somewhere around eight hundred or so.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. What's what's at number eight hundred? What is at number eight hundred
0: currently is Punisher War Journal journal number nineteen. That's the one
1: where Frank rents a jet ski.
0: That is the one. Kiss it goodbye.
1: There is no way in which this is not objectively better than that. But I would I a hundred times out of a hundred I would repunish her original nineteen again. Alright, at 803 is the
0: Return of the Sisters Sinister Six with Doc Ock's Cocaine Rocket.
1: If if what if that what if that scene where they get together like the chameleons and, and Nova and everything? Uh what if that scene Abigail Bram was like, yeah, check this out. It's a cocaine rocket. <laughs> you guys want to base your new galactic economy on something? How about, a f- how about that sweet, sweet blow?
0: I cannot tell you where I got this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. I. Would, it's not as good as that. Okay. I fucking love Doc Ox cocaine rocket.
0: Let's see. I don't think it's better than Operation Rebirth, which is at eight twenty-five.
1: Yeah, Captain America
0: good. story. But I could put it above the sinister syndicate story that's right above that or right below that.
1: Okay, that would put it uh above uh Sam and the Wake, Batman Blind Justice, uh Fear Itself, Marvel Zombies 4, which is pretty fun. I think I think that's that's a a good enough place to put it. All right. So No, no new... Shame? No Shame in being there.
0: No, at the new number 826 is Sword I'm going to put the periods in it. 2020. And that is that. I think we have been told that X-Men Red 1 through 10 is a single story. I'm going to read ahead and make sure, because that X-Men Red series is still going on and if it feels to me like the whole series is one book or the whole series is one story uh we'll have to do something else for our february catch up yeah cuz i i feel like it is slippery territory to catch up on and rake things that are still ongoing um that of course doesn't apply to Amazing Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, like but... I, like the, it, as long as there are distinct stories, I think I think it's entirely possible. It it is in our remit.
0: Yeah, but but the way Marvel Comics in particular publishes comics now, books last a maximum of you know, 30 some issues
1: mm-hmm.
0: before they start with a new number one and it's a different thing. So my preference would be to wait until a particular volume of a book is done before we do it for catch up generally. Um but I'll check out X-Men Red, the first ten issues or so of X-Men Red and see if that feels like a A complete story to me. Uh, And that's going to do it. For this comics catch-up. Sword. It was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, We'll be back in February. With possibly. X-Men Red 1-10. through Uh, Thanks for listening everybody. If you want to support us. Catching up on comics. And doing every story ever. And doing the weekly War Rocket Ajax show. And doing Movie Fighters and Snacks situation, please head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month to help support our podcasting endeavors here at Colitis Media. Uh, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com with catch-up suggestions, or even better, you can join our Discord and give us catch-up suggestions there. Uh, You have to be invited to be a member of our Discord, but if you ask us politely uh, for an invitation, we will surely provide you with one. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. Chris, where can people find you?
1: Everybody can find me by going to thg-isb.com. That's my website. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Until next time, good catching up.